has between twenty-five and a hundred thousand dollars invested in the market. That's a lot of money, especially for the retail sector, right? They're planning on holding these companies between three and even ten years. You know, more than almost sixty percent of investors are looking at that kind of time horizon. So, while the stocks are very volatile and have up until probably about January, early January this year, been on a pretty steady march down, you know, retail investors are not getting out. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are joined by Lewis Goldberg from KCSA Strategic Communications and the host of the Green Rush Podcast. Lewis, welcome to the show. Dan, thank you so much for having me. It's weird to be on the other side of the questions as opposed to asking them, answering them. I bet it is. I bet it is. I was thinking about that when, we were, when I was preparing for the show. I really appreciate you taking the time out today. KCSA has been one of the United States' most trusted strategic communication firms for what, over 50 years. And a little over five years ago, you started representing cannabis companies. And now KCSA Cannabis is the largest cannabis communication firm in the country. Why do you think it's so important for cannabis companies to be partnering with communication experts? Cannabis companies are just like any other company, whether they be a consumer packaged goods company, a pharmaceutical company, you name it. Cannabis has a role in almost the entire economic supply chain. Yeah. So for companies that are looking to target a specific audience, deliver a call to action and influence, whether it be investing or buying intent, they have to do it like a professional organization. You know, we always counsel our clients Communicate like the company you aspire to be, not like the company you are. So if you're a medical cannabis company, communicate like Pfizer, communicate like Merck. And that's why working with a company like us that works with financial services companies, that works with pharmaceutical and life sciences companies and technology companies is helpful because the same tools and techniques that we use for enterprise level clients, we brought to the cannabis space. And it has been unbelievably successful and valuable for our clients. And it's been really valuable for KCSA as as an organization. Yeah. I mean, a disproportionate number of our guests you represent. (laughs) I'm serious. As I was preparing for the show, I discovered that one of the many services that you provide is investor relations. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why so many of the people are raising money are, are your customers. Well, we work with companies that are either pre-public and looking to raise capital or are public and looking to communicate to the investor audience. And on the the investor relations side of the business, we do everything from non-deal roadshows. We will take companies around to family offices, institutions, and high net worth individuals to allow those companies to tell their story and potentially raise capital. You know, we work with the sell side analysts at the major investment banks. We also most importantly work with the management of these companies to teach them and to empower them to effectively tell their stories because these companies all have unique, interesting stories to tell. And sometimes these CEOs are so focused on running the business that they forget that they have a responsibility to be the chief sales officer. I think that's so important. They have these unique stories and there are so many times that they sort of water them down. And I'm like, 
no, tell your story. Yeah, but it goes beyond telling your story. Cannabis up until probably March or April of 2019 was a story stock play, right? I've got this many feet of canopy under growth. I've got these many licenses. I've got this, this, and this, but I haven't yet delivered. Mm-hmm. Retail investors, which make up the majority of the cannabis investor audience, tend to be herd animals, right? They follow a stock up, and if it hits a peak and starts to sell off, well, heck, I have to get out of that stock as quickly as possible to limit my loss, and that can depress the stock. And that is, in part, what has happened over the last 12 months or so. Yeah. But it's not only about telling your story. Now, you know, investors are looking for performance because these cannabis companies have, since they went public, many of them said, we're going to have X revenue. Of course, there are asterisks. I'm getting to that X revenue. Those asterisks matter now because those asterisks tend to be focused on the regulatory risk associated with this industry because it is still federally illegal and because it is regulated at a state-by-state level you can see real challenges develop. And you miss your numbers, investors are going to punish you for that. For sure, for sure. In November, you did a survey on cannabis investors. Mm-hmm. And it's it's super important for the industry that we understand what's going on, especially when things tightened up last year. Explain to us what you learned in that survey. So we've done the survey twice, and we're going to be doing it a third time, probably in March, where we poll upwards of 19,000 retail and small institutional investors. And we took a couple of really interesting conclusions out of the survey. The first is that individual investors are still bullish on the market. While they haven't seen the same level of profitability that they did earlier, and clearly, you know, that's what happens when you see stocks drop 60, 70% over the course of six, seven months. Mm-hmm you still see these guys holding large numbers of of companies. You know, the average cannabis investor has between $25,000 and $100,000 invested in the market. That's a lot of money, especially for the retail sector, right? Yeah. They're planning on holding these companies, for the most part, between three and even 10 years. You know, more than almost 60% of investors are looking at that kind of time horizon. So Mm -hmm. while the stocks are very volatile and have up until probably about early January this year been on a pretty steady march down, retail investors are not getting out. They are still, for the most part, holding. And when we first did this poll, about 70% of retail investors had pulled money from other investments to put it in cannabis. You know, over the last six months, we saw almost 43% of investors were still transferring money from other industries and putting it into cannabis. So there is still this strong belief in the story of cannabis. Right. Some of these companies are going to be Amazon or Google. Some of them are going to be pets.com. I was investing my money in this space individually. I would try and look at it like my own personal hedge fund and spread out risk amongst a bunch of different companies, some that are plant touching, some that are ancillary services, some that are domestic, some that are international, and hope to hit a couple of companies that are 100 time return and realize that some of these companies are going to go away. I want to take a short break to play you a preview of our next episode and to thank our sponsors. 
We're like, okay, we're going to put a $100 million facility up. Check. We're going to bring in Russian botanists and we're going to bring in the best tomato farmers. Check, check. Oh, we've got this guy. Uh, he, he's from Colorado. He says he's a master grower. Okay, check. Okay, we've got our lights. Check. We've got, you know, they, they spend a ton of time and energy and money on government affairs, on obtaining licenses, on attorneys, on every aspect of their business. And then when it comes to putting genetics in, they just force them from whoever and they trust whatever person told them they're a master quote unquote grower. Tune in on Sunday to hear Razwan Khan from DNA Genetics. And now let's get back to the show. What do you think some of the reasons for the downturn? I think there were a handful of reasons. The, the first is that regulatory risk that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. This is a state-by-state play, and right now there are 33 states that have some form of legal cannabis market. The other thing is I think people started to realize how much money it costs to participate. If you think about it, there are 33 states and each state has its own set of regulations. So you really have to think of it as if there are 33 different countries that you have to do business Mm -hmm. in because you can't ship cannabis across state lines. So if you have a vertically integrated license in Massachusetts, you have to set up a grow, a processing plant, and dispensaries in Massachusetts. And if you have a license in New York State, you can't ship cannabis from, from Massachusetts to New York. So you have to set up another grow, processing, and set of retail locations in New York State. These are really expensive. If you have dozens of licenses, you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars worth of capital. There's not hundreds of millions of dollars of capital that's available right now. Investors realize that this is really expensive. This regulatory risk and cost is significantly depressing it. And then, like I described, there's this herd mentality amongst investors. They chase the stocks up. Now they're chasing them down. Yeah. And people are waiting for good news to happen. There are very few institutional investors in this space right now. And they had access a nice backstop when the retail investors are moving around. At least you have that sort of backstop. And you don't have it in cannabis. So when they move, you notice it. You feel it. You look at a company like Terratech. I think they have something like 90,000 retail investors. That's a lot of people. I would bet you that Google doesn't have 90,000 retail investors. I always feel like that's one of the big contributors to this because most people don't appreciate the fact that we just don't have the traditional institutional investors in this industry. The other thing that I always felt was that at the end of 2018, I don't know if you you think back then, the stock market wasn't, wasn't doing great. The good old days. But the stock market was struggling. 2018 was a bad year for the stock market. And a lot of people were like, well, where do I go? Where do I go with my money? 2019 was a really good year for the stock market. Sometimes there's some other factors involved that aren't cannabis related at all that may have impacted this. Oh, totally. I mean, if you can make 20% on Tesla or Google, which are brand names, low risk. Why wouldn't you take them out of Medicine Man? (laughs) Exactly. uh, Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so like 2018, you know, things aren't great. So you're like, well, let's try something risky. And then 2019 comes around. Things are great. I take a chance on those guys. I agree with you. I think there are a number of factors in play. And I'm kind of banking, right? These guys can't raise debt at reasonable rates. You don't see bonds being issued. You're seeing convertible debt. They're borrowing at high rates. And the borrowing can convert to equity, which is dilutive. So if I am a retail shareholder and I see a company raise 30, 50, 100 million dollars on a convertible note, I realize that the value of my stock has just gone down. 
Now, our data says that most of these people who understand what's going on are going to stay. And that the people who are real investors who have, you know, $25,000 in this company, $50,000 in that company, they're not getting out. They're staying in. It's just the guys who have 500 bucks and they see these companies go down 5%, they immediately are calling the IRO, the Internal Investor Relations Officer, saying, what the hell is going on? It's hard for retail investors to understand the macro trends. And the macro trends for, for this industry are fantastic. More people today bought legal cannabis than did yesterday. And that is going to happen again tomorrow and the and next for day. the foreseeable yeah, future. Yeah, every day. You said you do, they're going to do the survey twice a year. When yep. will the next one come out? We're going to probably field it in March and crunch the data in April, so either late April or May. Well, let's plan to have you back on when, when you do that, because I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that there's going to be great news on the next one. I don't think so. No? I think that our fall one, the one that we do in November, is where we'll see much better news. I still think that we are in for some tough sledding until July or August, you know, when the companies report their close of their June 30th numbers, mm -hmm. and we see the impact that Illinois has, that Michigan has, that Massachusetts will start to ramp up and have a positive impact, that Maine will have, that Oklahoma will have. You're going to see a lot of good news, but not until the second half of the year. Okay. It's going to be tough for the first half of the year. I mean, you would know. You talk to these people every day. So. We've been speaking with Lewis Goldberg from KCSA Strategic Communications, and you can find all of his information and all of their information in the show notes or on mjbulls.com. And don't forget to check out the Green Rush podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Lewis, thanks for being on the show today. Truly my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.